Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. You are about to listen to an original episode of Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of upcoming shows, go to barrykatz.com. After you finish the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe to it, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it sucks. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Standard. We've reached the end of the line this year. And as always, we do a best of compilation part one and part two. And I'm here to bring you part one. But before I do, I want to thank you all for a great year. You guys have been so wonderful to me. The listenership has quadrupled since the beginning of the year. And it's all because of you and your support. And as always, I like to start off with a cold open before I do the show. And you're going to be thrilled about this, everybody, because this will be the shortest cold open in history because these shows feature the greatest words of wisdom of some of the most extraordinary artists in the business and the world today. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the losses of some amazing artists People like Gene Wilder, Prince, David Bowie, Muhammad Ali, Arnold Palmer. And some truly, truly exceptional people in comedy. From Kevin Meany to Alan Thicke to Gary Shandling to one of my favorite guests of all time, Gary Marshall. They'll all be missed. And I hope they touched your lives as much as they touched mine. The people you're about to hear from today on this part one episode, their advice is really meaningful, really special, and really important. And it will help you and everybody listening to have the kind of career that you know you're capable of having. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning nose into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Now? I'm on the air! 
Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard. This is the best of 2016 Industry Standard Part 1. I can't think of a better way to start off the show than with my first guest. Probably one of the most successful comedians of my generation or any generation. His first special, I'm a Grown Little Man, became one of the highest rated specials in Comedy Central history. His release, Laugh at My Pain, as a feature film version of his comedy tour, catapulted him as the number one comedian on Ticketmaster, breaking the record previously set by Eddie Murphy. In the film world, he's a superstar, with movies like About Last Night, Ride Along, Barbershop, Undeclared, Little Falkers, and one of the most successful pictures of last year, Central Intelligence. Kevin Hart. I'm not content. I refuse to become content. And I think a lot of people love to talk about what they're going to do. A lot of people love the way it sounds when you say, I'm going to do this. But you're almost saying it, you know, for approval. You're almost saying it for a response. Uh, I don't believe in talking. I believe in doing. So I would say, you know, try your best to become a doer. Surround yourself with other doers. Surround yourself with other people who want something out of life. You know, if you look around and you got five people that enjoy sitting down in the same spot for a large amount of time during the day, nine times out of ten, you're going to love it as well because your surrounding has made it comfortable. You have to surround yourself with people that like to get up and move around. Um, And in this business, that's what you need to be. You need to be somebody that gets up that's not afraid to move around, It's not afraid to figure it out. Uh, that not only comes from your surrounding, but it comes from a mindset that you create. You know, at the end of the day, nobody can force you to do anything. Um, you dictate the time of day that you get up, you dictate the time of day that you go to sleep. A lot of people are on that same schedule. The ones that dictate and understand what it takes to make a new schedule that nobody else is on are the ones that are different, are the ones that are winners. I wake up at 5, 5.30 for no reason at all. <laughs> for no fucking reason at all. I work out at 5.30 in the morning. For no, I could easily work out at 9. I could easily work out at 8.30. But I feel like I got an advantage because I got up at 5.30 and my day starts this early. And now I feel better. Sometimes I go running at midnight. I go do five, six, seven miles. Sometimes I work out twice a day, and in the course of that, my workload is still in the middle. When I'm working on set, I get a gym trailer, bark to the trailer so I can work out before work, shower, be on set. I do that because I never want to feel like I'm not making myself better. Ask yourself, what are you doing to make yourself better? Ask yourself, what are you putting into your 24 hours? At the end of the day, we all get the same 24 hours, but we don't have to use them the same. How do you use yours? What edge are you giving yourself? What are people going to look up and say, God damn, I can't believe you did that. How much sleep are you losing because you want to achieve your goal and your dream? How many times are you getting up panicking because you felt like you forgot to do something that could bring you closer to your dream? That's what makes you a doer. My advice is to follow that. If you don't follow that, then you become a talker. It's a billion to seven billion talkers out here in the U.S. and all over the world. I'm a producer. I'm about to produce. 
I'm a DJ. I'm about to DJ. I'm an artist. I'm about to rap, do a single. Yeah, I'm a gym gymnast. I'm thinking about getting back in the gym. I'm a boxer. Everybody got something. Why talk about it? Just do it, man. No pun intended because I'm signed by Nike. This next guy is no filter all the time. A powerful writer, director, producer who always has a unique point of view. He's done great work on movies like Suicide Kings with Christopher Walken and Dennis Leary and amazing shows like The Riches with Eddie Izzard and Legit with Jim Jeffries. You get the feeling he works with great people? Well, you're going to find out why. Listen to Peter O'Fallon. Eddie's an amazing story. I mean, amazing story. Eddie, basically, as he even puts it, he wasn't funny. And he learned to be funny. Uh, I'll have to f- figure out what the name of it. I think it's Inspire. I think it is. But uh, And, I, and uh, he had, I helped him with it a little bit when he was this. And he just came out three or four years ago. But basically, Eddie said, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Is he's, he, and he learned how to be funny. And he ended up doing it. You'll see it in this doc. He ended up uh, renting a comedy club in in London and became the MC. And it, with as long with the MC, so he'd do two minutes of jokes. And he'd do two minutes of jokes and, and, he'd, find, and he'd try 30 and then find the two that works and then slowly built his act. And he said then he learned how to be funny, which is an amazing thing because you think it's inherent. And, and, and uh, you know, I think he was funny, but he, he was like a, uh, a busker. And, you know, and if you ask him, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's a really good, it's a really good document. It's kind of inspiring and it's a good way to say it. And he also came at it late. You know, I think in his mid thirties, things started to really work for him. And, but, uh, but I think it's that and take risks. You know, I think because in the big picture, it's all about risk. I mean, I, looking back, I borrowed $40,000 in 1980, which is probably $100,000 now, which is insane. Um, I know, and I'm not recommending anybody go do it, but, but, you know, somehow it worked. You know, and, and looking back, it, it, you know, my, my, it takes my breath away thinking, God, what if I wouldn't have, made, wouldn't have been able to pay that? Uh, you know, and so I think that there's so much to do that so much is about taking risks and, and follow that thing that you, that makes you lose your, lose your, your way. In other words, you know, like I told you when I direct, uh, uh, or, or write even too, is I, I lose time. And, you know, and I, I know comedians feel this. I know Jim used to say that all the time when he gets up there and he gets, and, and that thing like Eddie says, it's going back to that jam band theory, but watching Eddie wander around in, 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 in his thing and, and watching act, watching Chris Walken who, who, you know, plays and wanders and, and doesn't, you know, but I think it's all discipline. I think it's working your ass off and, and taking huge risks and a gun to the head. You know, I mean, having my beautiful daughter, suddenly I was just like, I got really got to get serious here. And it pushed me to do things I probably wouldn't have done because suddenly I'm like, you know, I've really got to get going. And then going back to television, which I, again, in hindsight, thank God, because the movie business, if you really look at the movies, uh, all you directors out there, look at the movies. There's probably, when you really look at it, there's, uh, I was telling you earlier when I went to the DGA awards, uh, not awards, DGA breakfast for, for people that make feature films. And I, I'm like all excited. I go, wow, I'm part of the club. This is so cool. And I sit down to this breakfast and there's Ridley Scott and Steven Spielberg and all these guys that have been my heroes forever. And I look around the room and it's not a very big room. I mean, it was terrifying, really. And the guy stood up and I can't remember exactly who was the president at that time. This was years ago. But he says, congratulations, you have a better shot at being a five foot two white guy in the NBA than you do to make in a movie. You know, because it's, you know, it's nobody makes movies, you know, I mean, and you realize 
And the, the, I think there were, he goes, I think he said there were 313 movies made that year. So there's 313 jobs. That's ridiculous. I mean, what are the odds for that? You know what I mean? And then you start to realize, so, I mean, that, that was good for me too, that when the next one happened, and then all of a sudden I felt incredibly fortunate as opposed to feeling like this guy that's, oh, I've done so well. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's like, Jesus, my God, did I get lucky here? Thank you, Wayne. You know what I mean? And then when the Rumor Rangers got made and I was able to write, direct, and produce it, you know, I felt like I'd, honestly, one of the reasons it wasn't so disappointed is I kind of felt like I'd won the lottery. Who's going to, who's going to let me ever do this again? And yeah, so, you know, I think, uh, I mean, tenacity, I think is key. I think taking risks is key and, uh, you know, and being obsessed. My next guest is a guy who I am obsessed with his blog. He is a music industry analyst and critic that is exceeded by no one. The Leftist Letter has hundreds and thousands of subscribers for topics including the state of major record labels, decimated CD sales. This guy is brilliant, and you're going to see why. Bob Lefsitz. Give up. Give up. First of all, almost nobody succeeds. And there's a Don Henley song. It's not one of his famous songs. How bad do you want it? Not bad enough. These people have no idea how hard it is. A friend of mine wrote a book about Dwayne Allman, one of the great guitarists. He's the one who made Layla so successful. He used to take his guitar to the bathroom. John Mayer dropped out of college for a year to practice the guitar. Today, kids will say, well, I got this on Instagram. You're not willing to sacrifice and be lonely enough and work hard enough to make it. And now, as you referenced earlier, good is not good enough. You have to be great. In addition, as great as you are, everybody in the, in the world of entertainment business knows someone who's as talented as the superstar who never made it. Primarily because they didn't have the right personality. Maybe they didn't have the right people around. Them. This is the juggernaut you're going down. Are you willing? I mean, people are delusional. I could go on. I mean, people hate people. There's a whole business in encouraging artists. Pay me. I'll help you out. I'll do this. I'll do that. Whatever. That's even worse. Okay. The point is, it is almost impossible to make it. And if you, if, if you're looking for advice, you, you know, you've already lost the battle because the real people, they don't need any advice. You know, there's that song by ACDC. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Getting beat up, getting stoned, you know, broken boned. It's like, that's how hard it fucking is. And why do you want to? If you want to do it for fame, there's many. Look, yesterday on Howard Stern, Khloe Kardashian was on. And she was actually radiating some intelligence. And um, they were talking about her number of... Uh, Social media followers. In one case, it was 39 million from one of the sites, whatever, blah, blah, Saying what a big star she is. Yes, but she's not an artist. We could broaden art and say the way they manipulate the media, the Kardashians, and make money is brilliant, and it is. But is, that is not James Taylor playing something in the way she moves. You want to be famous. You want to be rich. There are many other ways you can do it other than art. In addition, most of the people who were household names were living in obscurity. Space Oddity came out six years before it was a hit. Ziggy Stardust was almost meaningless in the United States. And now we're lionizing David Bowie. I did, um, this is a great fest, a great conference, one of the few I can say that about, the Folk Alliance. They, it's in a hotel and at night all the artists play in, um, 
in rooms, and it's really incredible. But I gave a speech there, and I'm, t- I'm telling sort of the same things that I'm saying now. And somebody raises their hand from the audience and says, are you telling me that if I make, if I, ba- if I barely make five figures a year, that I'm unsuccessful? I'm sitting there and go, how the fuck can you respond to this person? For those people who are math challenged, he makes just $10,000 a year from his art. I don't want to criticize him. But he's having no impact. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're not, you know, there's, there's, a, there's too much hype about world dominance, et cetera. But if you're not willing to do the slog to try to reach enough people to move the, push the envelope, move the ball, and have an impact, you're not really, you know, doing it. It's like, you know, I think, you know, this, another person I hear from, Cheryl Strayed, wrote the book Wild. Okay? If you read that book, it touches you. Before that, she had very little traction, okay? Do you have that in you? You don't. I used to play guitar. I watched the fucking Beatles. We all play guitar. My friend Mark, I was at his very close friend. I went to his house one day. We're playing guitar. He goes, now we're going to change keys. And I said to myself, I'm out. I don't have that facility. I can play the guitar and have fun. I can't. Maybe I can learn, but I, I can tell I don't have the instincts. There's certain other things I have the instincts for. This is not what I should be doing. That doesn't mean you can't buy a guitar and you can't do this and you can't do that. But if you think you're going to make it, dude, you know, or woman, it's like, and just because, you know, there's so much horse shit, believing in yourself is not enough. It is, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it, whatever. That's a component, okay? But that's got nothing to do with ultimately, it's got very little to do with ultimately making it. Part of me is embarrassed, but I think, it, you know, I don't think endings are crucial, but when you get them right, okay, it it shocks the audience. But I, you know, as I say, it's we've all been touched by art. We've all been wowed, and I want to know let people to know that I have been wowed too, and I want to capture that experience. And if we captured that here, if people can get that feeling from me here, I've done my job. My next guest has been a force in the comedy business, and her appearances on the Comedy Central Friars Club roasts are legendary. She's done countless hour specials, been nominated twice for a Grammy Award, and her appearance with Donald Trump on Celebrity Apprentice raised $130,000 for a gay men's health crisis. Lisa Lampanelli. Two things I operate on is, it sounds corny, but fear not. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? Think about it. Like if I had done that open mic and I completely sucked and quit, eh, so. If I sold out Radio City and whatever the one was, Radio City and Carnegie Hall, and then I'm a loser and don't sell any tickets anywhere, eh, at least I did that. If I wrote a play and no one ever produced it, say the WP was like, we hate your show it's not going up yeah so i wrote a play then what's always ask yourself what's the worst that can happen but then unlike other people do it anyway because a lot of people go oh that's the worst thing that i'm not doing it who cares we're gonna die just do it who cares nothing bad can happen to you my next guest is a radio host, producer, writer, voiceover actor, and television personality who replaced Casey Kasem on America's Top 40. 
He's done so many different things from appearances on the Larry Sanders show and Beverly Hills 90210 to the Incredible Hulk. He was also the voice of CBS's Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Shadow Stevens. If drinking and drugs have stopped working for you, and it's pretty apparent, you need to get help. You simply can't do it by yourself. And the, and the best help you can get is free. These 12-step programs are miraculous. And if you just go in and find friends and be around people who have decided they're going to change their life and they're going to uh, do better and, and see if what will happen for them, what, what have, has happened for other people, um, you'll get a, a level of um, a foundation in your life that will allow you to blossom into the person, a person that you never dreamed you could be. Um, we're, we're our own worst enemies, you know, that it's that, you know, looking for what's wrong and making a list. It, it just is, uh, it's one of the problems of being alive these days. As far as creativity, we've never had a time that people had more access to creative tools. You can, you can create podcasts and you can create radio shows and you can create television. You can create videos. You can shoot them on your, on your cell phone. You can share them. You can, there are places, there are distribution platforms you can share them and you can share them for free how good are you you know how original can you be and 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 genius is in the details you got to go like i'm going to do something that's 30 seconds long what goes into it what are the words how do i shoot it what are the details how does it sound you know if it's in an if, if it's in an open room and sounds hollow you'll sound amateur make it work find out what you have to do to make it sound better how does it look better? You, know, you have to know all of these things or think about all these things to be able to make great art. My next guest is a prolific producer, reality TV show developer, and co-founder of North-South Productions, whose hit show Impractical Jokers is one of TLC's most popular shows. His list of television credits are endless, including Say Yes to the Dress, Atlanta, Paranormal Cops, Double Divas, Wrecked, Charlie Deva Voice. What I would recommend is know thyself and those things that you enjoy and do well, pursue. Uh, it's that simple. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I know I'm... Uh, I'm basically good at developing ideas and selling ideas. And so I pursue that. Um, and I would not be a good banker. In fact, I would suck royally as a banker. So, you know, trust yourselves and your instincts about what you're good at. Um, I know that sounds incredibly vague, but when you're starting out, um, that self-awareness is everything, you know, um, because if you're forcing yourself into a, a you know, you're, uh, uh, you're forcing yourself into a role that, that you don't believe in, you'll, you'll suck at it. My next guest is an incredibly funny comedian I've known my whole career. He's known as being a sidekick on the Wanda Sykes show, a panel guest on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn and Chelsea Lately. And he wrote for The Chappelle Show. And Kevin Hart just produced his last special. So you know he's doing something right. Keith Robinson. All right, you got to keep it moving. Keep writing. 
don't believe the hype, keep growing. You know, the, 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 well, we talked years ago. You're like, hey, I'm like, if it came in sad from something, you're like, hey, buddy, it's a marathon, not a 100-yard dash. So that's what it is. This is a marathon, and it's great. Enjoy the process. That's my biggest thing for me that I've always enjoyed the process. And I, I got to laugh. That's what I started out doing from, from, from uh, elementary on up. I've always laughed, bust chops, have fun. I'm having fun. So people see me smiling like, oh, you still, yeah, I'm still smiling. Why not? You see me not smiling, it's over. <laughs> That's how you know it's over. So I think all these young guys coming up, enjoy the process. Don't get caught up in your hype because it goes up and down. And, you know, it can get steady for a while, but we know how it is. There's some bad times going to come. So enjoy your process. Enjoy this. Being in Montreal, that was a great day. You get me, you get me to Montreal was that was special, you know. So yeah, enjoy that damn process. All them out and out, you new faces. That's who you are. But you, those new faces are going to turn to old faces, <laughs> and still enjoy it the same way because it's still good. I still enjoy Montreal. How long ago was that? Twenty one years. Twenty one years ago, and I'm still enjoying Montreal with my man Barry Katz. That's what you do. Enjoy it. My next guest is the founder and CEO of Abrams Artist Agency, one of the top 10 theatrical agencies in the world. And throughout his career, he's represented some of the most iconic people in our business, like Bob Barker, Bob Eubanks, Wink Martindale, Jacqueline Smith, the late Bob Crane, Katie Holmes, Liam Neeson, Kerry Washington, and the late Chick Hearn. Harry Abrams. I'll describe the ideal uh, uh, young agent, these people that I've hired in the past. Uh, uh, you want to be enthusiastic. You want to be ambitious. You want to be driven. You want to have a great personality. Uh, you want to be interested in sales. Uh, you want to, uh, uh, if, if you're an artist, uh, if you want to be a writer or a performer, you're not going to be cut out for this particular business. Uh, I think you should just focus on. Uh, learning about the entertainment industry, reading up on it, uh, spending a lot of time in the theater, developing a taste and an eye for talent, uh, trying to help your fellow, uh, uh, as you're in college, uh, helping your fellow or high school, helping your fellow uh, friends as to how to uh, uh, become successful and advising them, counseling them, guiding them. These are the type of people that we look for. Uh, you should um, just be ambitious driven, have a good sense of business. Um, that's what I would advise. That plus passion for various aspects of the entertainment industry. Young performer, actress, I would, uh, I would say, again, you have to be, you have to want it really badly. You want it more than anything else. You want it more than sex. You want it more than money. Uh, you just want the artistry. Uh, so uh, you, you want to become an artist. You want to become a performer. And uh, you have to have that drive uh, uh, that you want to become a performer. And you have to stick to it. So many people try to become performers and they just can't stick with it. And uh, they fall by the wayside. And they uh, wake up 40, 50 years later uh, regretting the fact that they didn't stick with it per se. And uh, the other aspect, the other thing I would advise a young artist would be, um, if you want to be an actor, 
I would recommend strongly that you work in the theater and, and get good training, good education, good uh, uh, theater, dramatic and theatrical uh, training at places like NYU and Yale School of Drama and Juilliard and uh, some of the top, uh, or, or even uh, uh, moving to London and working, uh, training in the theater in London is outstanding at uh, RADA, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, uh, the London uh, Lambda, London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts, outstanding, fabulous training. So that's advice I would give them. My next guest is probably one of the top two variety producer directors in the business. He's produced almost every Comedy Central roast, America's Best Dance Crew, CNN Heroes, and All-Star Tribute after 9-11, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and 14 MTV Movie Awards. Joel Gallen. If you're really passionate about doing something, about your craft, about your art, whether it's in front of the camera or behind the camera, you got to make that commitment. You know, you got to, you can't rely on relatives or friends to uh, open the door necessarily. You have to, uh, you have to make your own opportunities. I think uh, the people that have made their own opportunities, uh, you know, I think are, are, are the ones that get rewarded the highest, you know, they're the ones that work the hardest and, 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 and see the fruits of their labor, uh, you know, rewarded, uh, to me, it's like, I, I, you know, there is, there is, um, there is something to be said that sometimes you need someone to help you give you an opportunity, but to get that opportunity, you have to show your work ethic and your belief and your commitment into what you do and your knowledge, you know? So for someone coming out of college, uh, who, you know, who, uh, doesn't know anybody in the business will become a production assistant, become an intern, become uh, someone in the mailroom. And then when I was in the mailroom, I didn't know when I was going to get out. And what happened was the guy who ran the mailroom was taking his vacation. And the guy who had seniority over me, who was supposed to run the mailroom when the, the mailroom head goes on vacation, quit. Next thing you know, I'm in charge of the mailroom. What did I do? I ran that mailroom like nobody's ever run that mailroom. I have no idea how I did it, but I figured it out. And by the end of that second week of running the mailroom, Mr. Treef, the office manager was like, I got to get you out of the mailroom. You're good. Like you, you got to fight when those moments, you seize the moment. You've heard that expression. We all have. You got to seize the moment and you got to deliver and you can't be lazy. You got to work hard and you got to be committed and, and, and you got to, you know, you got to be sort of an unstoppable force, but you got to do it in a way that, you know, has people rooting for you, not against you. My next guest is a world-class traveling comedian who now celebrates his 30th year as a stand-up comedian. The New York Times described him as a mostly natural intellect with a knack for reporting the harsh realities of life with a dark and absurdly optimistic cynicism. That's putting it lightly. You can catch his newest stand-up special, Light Sweet Crude, now on Netflix. Tom Rhodes. Don't be so hard on yourself, kid. Stop beating yourself up. I think I always, you know, like a lot of comedians, you do great shows and you don't feel great about it. You're like, God, that one joke didn't work. Or why was that asshole at table three not laughing? Everybody else was laughing. 
I think the, I mean, I don't know, maybe the neuroticism and the self-hatred fuels a lot of the best comedy, but I think, um, I, I wish I wouldn't have been so hard on myself when I was really young because it's a long journey and, you know, um, they say life is short. Fuck that. Life's long. And, uh, you're going to come back into contact with people many times <laughs> and, uh, try and enjoy the journey. Don't be so hard on yourself. Just keep trying to do the best that you can. And, and writing is everything. Writing is power and inventing ideas, inventing jokes. That's why they cut big checks to comedians because not everybody can come up with fucking great jokes. Keep writing, keep making, uh, you know, I haven't even begun to look through all the notebooks I have for, um, for, uh, to mine gems from those things. Just keep inventing ideas, keep trying to come up with television show formats. And, um, if someone ever says to you, they have an idea where you're a fish out of water, punch him in the face. <laughs> My next guest is the founder and CEO of Barry's Tickets. This is the largest ticket agency and ticket holder of the Lakers, Clippers, Kings, and Dodgers here in Los Angeles. He's a self-made man and a very unique guest who connects the dots between ticketing and entertainment. Barry Rudin. So I'm going to say two things. One, you have to think, if you're going to be a businessman, you have to think of what does the consumer need or want? And how can I provide it to them? And then you have to outwork everybody. Or, if, I mean, you could get lucky. There's people who are just brilliant and they created an app. But you can't sit out there and think, oh, I'm going to create that one app. You have to work. You have to go to work every day and you have to build and build and build. So many actors will say, you know, oh, I, they, everybody thinks, oh, they became an over, overnight sensation. But they became an overnight sensation after working their craft for 30 years. I remember, you know, the most interesting man in the world? Jonathan Goldschmidt. And I met him at Monty's because the Pump Brothers invited him for a Super Bowl event. And everybody wanted to, there was all these athletes. There was Dave Winfield there. There was these Hall of Fame athletes there. And everybody wanted to meet this guy. And this was his first and biggest gig at 70 years old, becoming the most interesting man in the world. And oh, he's an overnight sensation? No, he was an actor for 40, 50 years. And it overnight, we just kept plugging away, going to work, working 80 hours a week for 25 years. And then, oh, all of a sudden, oh, we're branded. Oh, yeah, everybody's heard of us. But it was going to work every day. Mark Cuban goes to work every day. Elon Musk goes to work every day. I mean, I'm not a genius like Elon Musk, but that's all I know how to do it. You just have to recognize the demand, have an idea how to fill it, and then do it. Don't just think about it. Do it. My next guest is an Emmy-nominated writer and critic and a New York Times best-selling author to boot, as well as a contributing editor at Rolling Stone magazine. He has written liner notes for some of the greatest artists in the business, including Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, Billy Idol, and Frank Sinatra. David Wilde. I don't even know what kind of career I have. I mean, I have, of all the people you've had on the show... I have a weird career. Like I remember when I got nominated for, when, for the uh, Emmy for the Tribute to Heroes, I was asked to be on a panel of writers. And the panel was J.J. Abrams, Larry Wilmore, John Wells, me. There might have been one other. And they went down saying, what are you most proud of kind of thing? And everyone, you know, all of them had brilliant, profound answers. And I was like, 
I'm most proud that I just qualified for the first time for Guild Insurance, which was true. <laughs> Literally, it happened like that day. Uh, I have a weird career because I do many things. I'm just, I will write for food and sometimes not for food. So my advice is to A, try to find, out, find your own voice. And that's weird for me to say because in part my success is that I think I work a lot because I ultimately as a journalist, I don't know if I had the strongest voice. I almost love music too much to, I wasn't very critical as a, I wasn't critical enough in my mind as a journalist. When I wrote about TV, I had a TV column in Rolling Stone for years, which is another way I met Phil uh, and Phil Rosenthal and Ray Romano, uh, because I would write about the shows I loved. But I was much better as a TV critic because I didn't respect TV nearly as much. I would be able to make fun of it. Music is almost such a, it's almost a religious thing to me. So I wasn't as strong. So what I found was my gift was to be able to write for people in their voice, whether it's like writing for the head of a corporation, a big speech, or writing for a comedian jokes. You know, it's like one of my favorite moments ever was uh, Justin Timberlake called me once. Uh, he was giving us, he had a host a, event. I think it was B'nai Brith for like his record company head. And he goes, David, can you write me a bunch of Jewish jokes? And I go, Justin, I was born to write you a bunch of <laughs> Jewish jokes. The first one I remember was like, hi, my name's Justin and I was in a goy band. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was like, there were tons of those. And, but the, what he, what I learned from him, he's someone like, it's where do you learn from people? Like a lot of people you learn from are the people like Ken Ehrlich or, you know, this guy, Walter Miller, who are older than you. But I learned from him, he's younger than me, but he's another guy. You think it looks so easy for him, but he cares about everything he does. After I wrote that speech, he called me up and he said, okay, can you go through the pronunciation of every word? I said, Justin, you don't have to, because the, the more you mispronounce, the funnier it will be. He goes, yeah, but I want to know how I'm mispronouncing it. And that was true. Like a week later, there was a speech he had to give for a hospital. And I used some fancy highfalutin phrase that is not something he had ever heard. And my thing as a writer is like, whenever someone balks at a word, you lose it because if it's not coming, if it's not natural for them, it won't be natural. But he goes, and I remember him this very vividly. He goes, no, no, I need to know what this means. And I thought, okay, that's why you're Justin Timberlake. It's like, that's, he's the only person who needs, I, I need to know what I don't know. And so I would figure you need to know your voice and then you need to know what you don't know and get around people who can help you find that. My next guest I interviewed at the Rat Fink Room recreation at the New York Comedy Festival. And he's a guy who's one of the most respected stand-up comedians in the business. His breakthrough success came on the hit NBC show Last Comic Standing, where he's one of the runner-ups in season three and guest starred in season four. He's one of the few comedians who's performed on every single late-night show that exists on television. Gary Gullman. Get on stage every night and record your set and listen to it and write it down and, um, and improve it. And uh, what did you say earlier? Rinse, wash, repeat. Just keep doing that. And, uh, and like, like they told me years ago, don't worry about managers or agents. I, I gave this advice to, um, to a friend of mine, Joe List. He, was, he came to me. And he said, um, you know, he didn't have a manager, he didn't have an agent. And it was a couple of years ago. And um, 
I said, the, the only advice I can give you is just to put your head down and look up in a year. Put your head down and work and look up in a year and you'll see how far you can, you can come if you don't worry about the, about the obstacles and the distractions and the things that are, that are put there to make this thing um, harder. And, uh, and he opens for Louis at Madison Square Garden like regularly. Like he sends me pictures of him at Madison Square Garden. I'm like, he's, he used to open for me. And now he's, now he's playing Madison Square Garden, and he's got this uh, this killer career, and he's getting married, and he's and he's um, just uh, funnier than ever. And I don't even think it took a year. I, I I think it was like six to nine months or something like that. But that's what I did with with you, when when you told me you're not you're not ready yet. I remember you watched a, a video of me that I got from a Chinese food restaurant called the Kowloon in, in Saugus, Massachusetts. And it had two shows. And one I killed, and the second one was lukewarm. And you, and you watched both of them. You were really, I don't know if you're still as diligent as you are, um, but you were diligent, man. You watched both shows, and you were like, now are you the comedian from the first show or the second show? Because you got to be the comedian from the first show. And um, when you can do that every night, come back and see me. And, um, and I was like, that son of a bitch. I, um, I'm, I'm ready now. Um, but then I, I, I gave it some honesty. And it was like, all right, I'll put my head down for a year and try to make a better um, first impression the second time around. And, um, and that, uh, yeah, so that, that changed my working with you and, and Maureen Tarrant, who was at the Barry Katz Entertainment Group just changed my life entirely. I was living at home with my mom, and within uh, six months I had my own apartment in Los Angeles, and I was, um, I remember you uh, just um, being like dream, it was so cliche and, and everything like that, but it was really touching. You sent me this card and you're like, dreams, they do come true. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, you corny son of a bitch. But really, really, I, I, I still have that, that note from you because it was, um, it, it, uh, there's very few, very few things change your life dramatically. And that was a dramatic change in my life. I moved 3,000 miles away and had, um, and had cash in my wallet for a change. It was really, uh, it was really something. So I'll always be grateful to you for that. And I'll always, I'll always appreciate that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and and you know when we stopped working together, it was it was it was heartbreaking because we were we were really good, good friends. So um, I'm I'm glad we were able to reconnect today, and and uh, and it and it feels like we haven't uh, missed a beat. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project that I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it. 
because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. I want to talk to you about this amazing documentary that I worked on called I Killed JFK. It's centered on a man who has been in prison for 30 years, who's the only person in history to have admitted to killing John F. Kennedy. He started as a runner for the mob in Chicago, and he was hired to drive two hitmen from that city around Dallas. And he ended up being the guy on the grassy knoll who took the fatal shot that killed John F. Kennedy. His story, the footage, the interviews, never been seen before. You can't find them anywhere except on this documentary. Go to ikilljfk.com, look at the trailer, buy this documentary, and everybody who does go and get a copy of this special I'm going to choose one person randomly, and I will invite them to a live podcast to be there in person with my guest, be able to meet them, ask any questions they want. And if they're not from this area, I will Skype them in, and it'll be something you'll be privy to before anybody else gets to hear the podcast. So go to ikilljfk.com, pick up this documentary. I guarantee you, it will blow you away. My next guest is one of the NBA's dominant all-time players with five NBA championships, two all-star appearances, and twice named the league's top defensive player and the only player in history to lead the league in rebounding seven seasons in a row. In 2011, he was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame. Dennis Rodman. You got a lot of outlets right now. You got a lot of outlets for kids to do a lot of things now. And you got the combines, you got the Nike tour, you got the Adidas tour, you got everything in the world to put you in on that level. And now you'll know if you can play basketball or not unless once you go play against the greatest players on the planet. You go like you're 15 years old, you go play with the best 15, 16, 17 year old kids around the world. And you'll know when you come back, it's a wow, I can actually play with these guys. And that right there would just increase your mind frame and say, wow, if I could just keep this up, keep this up, keep this up, maybe I will make the NBA. A lot of players don't make the NBA every year. A lot of players don't because it's only maybe 60, 70 players a year make it out of thousands and thousands and thousands of players around the world. So you gotta just you gotta look at your vision and saying, well, if I can make, if I can't make the NBA, maybe I can make the D League, maybe I can go make the European League, maybe I can make this league. But as long as you know that you can actually play in a league that has maybe from C to A, hey, you made it. To me, you made it. My next guest is a six-time Emmy Award-nominated writer, producer, working under an overall deal at ABC, where he's the showrunner of the hit ABC show, Blackish. And right before that, served as executive producer and showrunner on Happy Endings for three seasons. He's also worked on How I Met Your Mother and spent five seasons as the head writer for Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Jonathan Groff. I think it is who you know in this business, but not at all who you know whose uncle is the president of Paramount or a big agent at, at WME or something like that, or, or 
you know, any kind of real connection like that. It's who do you know who you start out with? Because almost every single one of my little breaks came because, you know, John Ross remembered that I was funny and put in a word for me at the John Stewart show. Or um, Louis C.K. had been a steadfast friend forever and said, this guy is funny and needs a break and will make me look good by me recommending him so forming those grassroots relationships early on no matter what you're doing whether it's your little videos that you're making or your uh, play that you're writing and casting people in or um, a funny newspaper thing that you have going or just build those connection of relationships that you can uh, bring people along when you get a break or they will bring you along when they get a break because you want to surround yourself with people that inspire you or that are inspired by you my next guest is a genius and I don't say that lightly. A comedian, writer, actor, and producer from Australia. He's probably best known in the television world for a show that crossed all boundaries and not only pushed the envelope, but ripped it open and tore it into shreds. And I'm talking about legit on FX. This guy sells out theaters everywhere he goes in the world. Jim Jeffries. Own your mistakes, but don't hold on to them because you can't fix them. As for comedy, and this is advice I would give any comedian, people think quality is the most important thing. I think quantity is as important as quality when it comes to stand-up. There's no point having the greatest 20-minute set on earth because people will only see you twice. They won't bother to see you a third time because they'll assume that it's the same every time. People will respect you if you throw away your best material, and that will always push you to write new great material you know it's it's there's two avenues that like i I think seinfeld always worked on the why would you throw it out it's such a great bit or whatever but once it's recorded get rid of it and that's and i'm saying if it's recorded anywhere like you're doing it on a tonight show or something like that so that's why i won't do i won't do stand up on late night shows because i i don't want to burn material i'd rather do it on a special than you know (laughs) But that's the advice of, yeah, write, write, write. Write as much stuff as you want. A slogan that I try to live my life by, which is easier said than done, is chase the dream, not the competition. Because you can really, especially in stand-up comedy, you can get held up on how did that guy get a show? How did that guy get a show? And you can forget that there's people who are saying the same thing about you. You know, there's, there's hundreds of comics who are, who are jealous of me or or think that I've earned more than I deserve. and there's there's plenty of them that I feel that way about. And once you clear that clutter out of your head that you, you just focus on your career and don't worry what everyone else is getting, you'll be moving a lot faster. My next guest is the COO of the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, the greatest festival and the largest festival and the most prestigious and well-respected comedy festival in the world that has broken every single star you can imagine. So why name the names? It's better than name the names that they haven't broken, which is zero. Bruce Hills. Let's start with the comics. I mean, look, it's about originality. It's about point of view. Be different. Be great. I mean, to me, it's really that simple. What I gravitate to the most is hearing an original voice. I mean, obviously hysterical voice, but sometimes someone's not, someone that we've booked and has transitioned into a fantastic artist. I mean, look, if you look at Louis C.K., wasn't the best stage performer in the early years. What it was was the incredible material. No one was doing what Louis was doing. He's turned into a fantastic performer, but that's not why I booked him. I booked him because of 
that incredibly fantastic material. In terms of executives, look, I think it's quite simple. One of the things we look for every time we add a key member to our staff, we're looking for honesty. We're looking for someone that's going to go the distance. We want to know that that executive, they're passionate about what they're doing. I want to know that my team is committed. I want to know that they're not only committed to putting the hours in, they're committed to the caliber of work and also initiative. Initiative is so crucial. There are numerous times I sit in a meeting, I ask a question and people look at me like it's a question that they've never heard before. But to you and I, Barry, I would expect it to be second nature. Robbie Praw, some of the best staff I've had here, before I'm even thinking what the question is, they figured it out. It's because they're on it. They're passionate. They want to come into a job and not just maintain it. They want to elevate it. To not be thinking about the next job, be worrying about the job you have. I mean, a lot of people have come to Just for Last and done much bigger things afterwards. That's great. But finish the job you have. Don't walk out halfway through. Don't come to the festival, do a half-assed job and schmooze. Come in, kill it. I want people to come in, make us better. I want people to come in and tell me what I don't want to hear if I have to hear it. I want them to do it, hopefully, in a clear and concise manner, but I want to be challenged. I think that if you can figure out how to walk into a job and make your superiors better, if they're secure enough to handle that, that's so important. My next guest was one of the first guys I met when I came to Los Angeles who has done amazing things since I first met him. He's most famous for writing Universal's hit film Ride Along starring Ice Cube and Kevin Hart. He's currently writing and producing the Expendables television series for Fox and he made his directorial debut with Jessica Simpson and Dane Cook with Employee of the Month for Lionsgate. Greg Coolidge. Back in my day, you would write a screenplay and try to get someone to read it. Nowadays, you have this iPhone, and you can shoot something, write something, shoot something, put it up. Write something, shoot something, put it up. That's what I would be doing all the time. So you can do it. You can do it on your own now. I mean, kids are doing it. There's viners that are making you know, millions of dollars, and you watch these vines, and you're like, oh, that was clever, but these other 27 were eh, not so clever. But hey, they're putting out 26 in a day. Of course, that's, that's what's going to happen. So that's it. You got to do it. You can write and direct and do your own thing. Push forward. Everybody has it. I'm sure you've never heard the same story twice. Everyone has their own path. So yeah, make your path. My next guest I started doing comedy with a long, long time ago, and his performances in my club in New York always shocked and amazed me. He's an American actor, writer, producer, and comedian voiceover actor. Although he spent three years at SNL as a writer and bit performer, as well as being a series regular on the Fox sitcom Till Death and the CBS show The Millers, he's best known as Leon on the HBO series Curb Your Enthusiasm. JB Smoove. Don't be afraid to, to make your story. You know, don't pattern yourself off of other people. Don't, uh, don't get jealous of what someone else is doing. Don't try to emulate what they are exactly doing. Once you create your own story, 
you you have the ability to move things around and make it adjusted to your your preference to your movement. Um, be the same person on stage as you are off stage. Not that you got to joke around all day, but have the same mind thought, the thinking, the thinking of it, the the, the base, the base of who you are should always come out on stage. Um, that's what people. That's the gen, That makes you genuine. Um, write the jokes, but don't rely on the jokes right now. Get your stage presence together. Get your who you your character, who you are on stage together first. Jokes are gonna come in abundance. They're gonna come, come, come. But um, anybody could tell a joke. It's it's what you is what you apply to that joke. It's the base of that joke. It's the base of who your character is and how you present that thing that's gonna make people laugh the most. Um, when you do a movie, when you get a cast in a movie, guess what? You can't bring your goddamn jokes. They want who you are, the character, who you are behind these jokes. The jokes are just surface. The jokes are just a vehicle. Stand-up is just a vehicle to get to your next level of where you want to go at. You're driving a, a, a comedian car. That's what it is. It's just a, a, a way, a mode of transportation to get where you want to go. You know, and and when you're doing this, this acting, this stand-up, this, your dream is to do this. Um, cast your own shadow. Enjoy what you're doing. Um, you you you're gonna perform in front of a lot of a lot of audiences. You know, I learn something whether I do good or whether I do bad. If I do good, how can I make it better? If I do bad, what did I do wrong here? Okay, let me let me figure out how I can make this thing work. I've seen it work. Why it's not working tonight? I did something. My pace was wrong. You know, um, and and I and listen, 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 listen on stage. Uh, understand, listen to what they are exactly laughing at. You know, you can say a bit, and sometimes the bit is getting a laugh, but sometimes your eyebrow raise or whatever you do or the way you scratch your chest or the way you scratch your cheek or where your eyes open and they're laughing at that, that means they love your mannerisms. Do more of that. Cater to whatever you do and talk about what the fuck you know about. Don't get yourself in a hole where you talking some shit that you don't know what you're talking about. Because a lot of times you'll hear a murmur in the crowd. You're like, that's not right. That's not, that's not fucking right. That's not right. You'll, you'll hear it. And you're like, oh, am I right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Get your goddamn facts straight. So only talk about what you, what you know about and what you are familiar with. If you don't know politics, don't fucking talk politics. Don't do it to yourself. If you don't know sexual humor and your sex shit is wrong, don't talk sex jokes. You know, just know what you do well. And, you know, but but above all, though, realize that you're giving, you, you're, you're giving a gift to people. You know, the promoter pays us, of course. You pay to get in that club. But guess what? We are actually giving you something for free. Because we don't get residuals on how many times that joke makes you laugh while you're driving in traffic or how many times you tell that joke to a friend or your wife or or you bring it up 10 years. You know how many times in the lobby someone brought up a joke for 10 years ago from me? You don't get fucking paid. Yeah. Imagine every time you did it, I got a dollar. This ain't fucking iTunes. You know, this is free. You know what I mean? If that was a song. And you did that song on some TV show? Guess what? You gotta fucking pay me for using that song. You know? Wouldn't that be amazing if we got paid every time somehow some kind of satellite system that recognizes every time someone is inspired or laughs at your joke and your, your, your app on your phone just goes bling. Oh, shit, another dollar. You know? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so fucking cool, but we don't get that. We can say profound, amazing things like a poet. But nah, the comic is different, man. Um, but the world is also changing so fast also, man. Everything's so PC now. Um, the, the comedic voice is, is in a weird place. You know, so I just, you know, I just know that comedy, we, we are the first wave of, 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 of taking the, the real news, the fucked up part of the news or the interesting part of the news and taking it in, reprocessing it and putting it back out in a, in a manageable form. So imagine if all you saw was just the regular, the regular, the regular damn news every day. That should have drive you fucking bonkers. You couldn't live just hearing the regular news with no take on it, with no absolute take on it from a comedian or a late night show and no one ever talked about the fucked up news you'll, f- you'll fucking shoot yourself in the fucking head cause you couldn't deal with all that tra- all that crazy shit everyday you know if someone didn't make light of the political platforms or make light of something that happened around the world man you, you, you just can't live like that so you know I hope that you know a lot of things are happening as far as you know uh, how how things are perceived and how things are seen nowadays. You're silencing voices, you know, and I, and I hope we can, you know, find a way to keep laughter in, in our lives and, and be able to enjoy ourselves, man, and allow someone else to do it. Allow someone else to take the pain and the, and the relief off you. When someone on stage talking about their life, a lot of times you look at the base of it, a lot of that shit, that shit's real. If someone said their dad was crazy or something happened, that shit's real. You know, it's just coming from a certain place. They gotta spin it to make it humorous to deal with it themselves. But like I said before, we we sacrifice a piece of ourselves. Whether you're singing, whether you're acting, whether you're a comedian, whether you're a manager, whether you're a, a agent, you're sacrificing a piece of yourself to make something amazing. You know, um, and and you can't. Everything can't be done um, um, for for money. It just can't be. It's impossible for things just to be about the money of it. You really have to have integrity and and and, and pride in what what you do, you know. So this is what we do. I don't mean to go hard all the time, man, but you know, this is, you know, I'm 50. If I was 20, I wouldn't even be talking like this, you know. But I'm 50, baby, and I'm satisfied, and I'm I'm cool with with the process. I'm cool with what I do. I'm cool with with, with pressing my own buttons. But any, any young guy out there, you, you, you got to ride through it, baby. Ride through this shit. You know, enjoy it, but ride through it, man. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy that, you know, um, I'm seasoned and I know what I want and what I want to do and what I don't want to do. My next guest is a two-time Emmy Award-winning writer and producer best known for her work on Sex and the City, Modern Family, Everybody Loves Raymond, and Coach. She's also won three Golden Globe Awards for her work. In between everything else, she's also written two books, The Between Boyfriends Book and The Longest Date, Life as a Wife. Cindy Shupak. For writers and for actors, maybe, I would say the storytelling community is just bursting. I know everyone else talks about the internet. You can make your own thing. You can put it on Vine, whatever. I'm old school. Tell a story in front of an audience. The storytelling scene, and I met my husband through the moth. Uh, through the moth, for those of you who don't know, the moth is an amazing storytelling platform that started, I think, in New York City, I believe. And it's one of the top podcasts in the world. And also, they've developed television shows around it as well. It's amazing. But, you know, it all comes down to the story. 
uh, it's for me, it's where are you going to get those good stories? And you can put a film up on the internet, but is there a story to it? Like, what is what? Why am I watching? What are you talking about? <laughs> why did you make this? What did you want to express? So if you go to storytelling shows and just listen, you will know what grabs you and why and what doesn't grab you and why. And it's kind of a great primer. And when I've written books that are collections of my essays, I often go out and tell them and perfect them on the storytelling circuit. And sometimes I'll sign up for a show and write something new just to do it. And I learn a lot from the other storytellers. And if you go to them, you can, you know, eventually try to tell one yourself. And it's a great way to test things out on an audience and to just sharpen your storytelling skills. And I feel like then potentially doing like what I did, trying to publish a piece in Modern Love or a piece in LA Affairs or um, just get your voice out there in whatever way, a, f- a bit of a flair, but sharpen your storytelling skills. And, you know, sometimes a Modern Love is a perfect little microcosm of what could be a book or could be a TV show. So to start with one thing that is going to represent you and then keep doing it and keep doing it. But I would say that's a good thing for writers to do. And for actors, just know that in an audition, if someone like me says, that was great, that was so great, that was, ama- that was amazing, probably it was not so great because <laughs> I tend to be really effusive when someone isn't so good because I don't know what to say exactly. And you're just saying something to get them out the room. And then sometimes people are great and your mind is already off to, wow, maybe he could be in that next thing we did or uh, or he's not right for this. But that happened with David Eigenberg, kind of famously on Sex and the City. He came in as a potential date for Charlotte and his voice was so distinctive and he was so interesting that immediately the writers were thinking, oh, maybe he could be a relationship for Cynthia later. But he probably left that audition thinking, I just failed that because nobody called him and told him right away what we were planning. So just know each audition, you know, you're auditioning for the part, but you're also possibly making an impression that's going to last. So you want to do great work with that part and then just judge yourself when you leave. Try to imagine how do you think you did? Because it's almost like playing golf against yourself. You got to be able to know like I did well or I think I could do better or just keep doing it. And as an actor, as a writer, when I'm in that room, while somebody's doing my lines, particularly, which a lot of writers don't talk about their script and their lines, but I think he wrote the script. I don't know. I think it's okay to talk about things as your script, even when you're on a show. Um, you're ready to kill yourself while people are not making it work. You're thinking this is the worst script. You're not thinking this is the worst actor. You're thinking this script does not work at all. And then someone comes in and makes it work and it's funny and it's what you hoped it would be and more and you're so relieved and that's um that's the magic of what you're looking for my next guest has over 40 years of experience in the music and distribution business and is the coo of the shout factory he's worked with rhino records universal it was a pleasure to have him bob emmer i think it comes with dreaming Believing in yourself, doing what you think is right without hurting others, stick to it. There will be disappointments. I mean, I see this a lot with my kids. You know, they've had their their ups and their downs. Uh, But at the end of the day, I read a quote recently that I think is a, a great one to live by. It says, when going through hell, keep on walking. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. 
you just gotta you gotta just persevere. Um, set your goal and keep walking. My next guest is a comedian, writer, producer, and host who Esquire magazine called one of the six comedians who could be comedy's next big thing. He's the executive producer and host of a four-year hit show on GSN called Idiot Test. You also might recognize him from over a hundred episodes of Chelsea lately. His hour special, Neurotic Gangster, premiered on Showtime to rave reviews. Ben Glebe. Life is hackable. Life's a lot more achievable than you think. It seems sometimes like there's insurmountable odds when you look at it that way, because perspective is everything in life. So when you look at it, that you're just one of 8 billion people and everybody wants to succeed and there's so many odds against you in any given career and in the entertainment industry, there's so many no's and so much bullshit you have to put up with and so much fakeness and so much putting yourself on the line and getting crushed down in any side, but in front of the camera and not creating shows, writing shows, you get fired. The show gets canceled. The show never gets made. The show doesn't get picked up. It's a web series. You're getting paid $5 and a bucket of chicken, as you like to say. And, um, and it seems insurmountable. And if you have personal issues, whatever your insecurities are, you're nervous, you're insecure, you have speech problems, whatever it might be. The advice I'll give you is to shift your perspective and realize that as often as the case with problems we see, the opposite is actually true. In fact, life is super achievable, super hackable. There's 8 billion people, yes, but all those people find a way, most of those people, a lot of great percentage, great majority find a way to make a living, to make it work, to provide for themselves. And if you're lucky enough to decide to pursue your dreams, realize that people want the content that you want to create. You're not having to like drive a, 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 a tractor up a hill with no wheels People want that tractor to get there. It's just, is your tractor going to be the one of the ones that get there? Some tractors are going to make it up and are make it up to the top. So you have to realize that you, if you use your, all your skills and have the kind of strong ego, that's a real ego that is able to admit mistakes, that's able to adjust, able to learn, not a fragile ego that says, I don't want to work hard. So people that work hard are assholes. And if I made a mistake, I'm weak. No, if you made a mistake, you're strong. If you admit, don't admit mistakes, that's when you're weak. When you try to cover up for your failings instead of improving on those failings and learning from your mistakes. And if you have problems that are more personal, they're even holding you from pursuing anything like a speech problem or like a fear of public speaking or like anything of that nature. You have to realize that you're far less important than you think you are. Your problems are far less insurmountable than you think. Because with public speaking, people's greatest fear with speech problems, I realized what was giving me blocks was I was so nervous. I thought that you needed to be perfect, that the people that make it are infallible. And it's not true. The Zach Galifianakis's get depressed and don't know if they're going to be successful. They're not some impenetrable genius. The Dave Chappelle's freak out and leave their show and say, I don't even want this thing I thought I wanted. And if you're afraid to speak in front of people because you think everyone's judging you and looking at you and all the lights are on you, get over yourself. The fact is that people are glad they're not the one talking. People are glad that, that they get to just absorb. They're, if they're there at all listening, if they're paying any attention, they're just there for the information, not for your speaking style. People have very low expectations. Junk rises to the top all the time. So if you have any talent and skill, if you work hard as well, your shit can climb pretty quickly. Eventually, you're going to get to the top and then take one step further and realize that you think your, your dream is so important. You think your thing is so much better than anybody else. 
Fuck you. You're not any more important than a person working at McDonald's feeding people. He's feeding people. People will die if we don't want people giving people food. If your web series doesn't make it, no one's life's any worse off. So don't think it's such rarefied air that it's so important. It's just another job. It's one that you choose to want to do because your own personality wants it. So great, do it. But don't act like it's the most important thing curing cancer. You're not. You're just pursuing something fun that brings joy to people. So it should be joyful when you do it and take a step further back and realize that any job on earth, producing a TV show, doing stand-up comedy on a special of millions of people, serving people at McDonald's, being a secretary in an office, all of it is of the exact same importance. And all of that is of no real importance in the grand scheme. Because take a step back, we're floating out of control on a marble in outer space in a vast, unknowable universe. You think your the details of your speech or the way you paused before the one fucking word of the thing nobody remembers five minutes later means shit? It doesn't. It's just a journey. So have fun. Pursue what matters to you. And just do your best. If you leave it all on the table, success or not, you're going to feel amazing about your life. Because the only thing that's depressing is when people feel like they could have done more. If you gave it your all, then you just roll the dice and see where they land. And I think you'll find more often than not that that's exactly what will make you succeed. My next guest founded Alive Enterprise as a personal management company and over the years been responsible for managing the careers of Alice Cooper, Groucho Marx, Raquel Welch, Anne Murray, Ben Vereen, Teddy Pendergrass, Blondie, Luther Vandross, Rick James, Kenny Loggins, and the Pointer Sisters, while representing a hundred or more of today's most famous chefs. Shep Gordon. Get up earlier than everybody else work harder um, and try and find some mentors. Um, I think the entertainment business, unlike surgery, is um, very hard to navigate through, through book learning. And um, if you can find a human resource who's generous enough to share with you, um, work hard at finding mentors. And the only way you're going to find them is telling them you want to, you, you want to be a, you know, you want them to be your mentor. Don't be shy. People can say no. If I hadn't reached out to His Holiness the Dalai Lama, I would never have been cooking for him if I hadn't reached out. And I've had plenty of people say no. Um, but you just got to keep trying. And uh, if you get lucky, hook up to someone and um, be very quiet and listen. My next guest was probably my greatest honor to interview him this year because it was the last interview that he ever gave. He was a legendary Hollywood icon who worked on huge TV series like Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy and the Odd Couple, as well as 20 blockbuster films, including Pretty Woman, Beaches, Runaway Bride, The Princess Diaries, and New Year's Eve. I was so sad when I heard of his passing and I'm just so grateful that all of you get to hear his words of wisdom. Gary Marshall. You gotta do everything. You can't stay uh, in one spot. I, I One of my uh, pictures, I got tremendous reviews was uh, nothing in common with uh, Tom Hanks and, and, and Jackie Gleason. And uh, yet, I couldn't say, I'm a great director. I mean, 
you got to be versatile. you got to try to do everything. I don't want to shock anybody. It's a fickle business. So the more different jobs you can do, I ask all actors to try to write something some or try to produce. Directing is difficult, but uh, they always say, what I really want to do is direct. That's not a good way to go. What you really want to do is write or produce. But I say, do every job that comes up and see if you like it. That's my advice to anybody starting. It's don't quit, but do every job. Well, that's a wrap for part one of the 2016 Best of Industry Standard. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Please have a wonderful and happy and healthy and safe holiday with your family and friends. I wish you the best that life has to offer. And hopefully, I'll see you again with part two after the new year. How many comics have come on and done the Barry Katz impression for you? It must be dozens. <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah, but, but that's a pretty great one. It still works. I can still kill with that. You, you still know? do the impression. Everybody still does. This is not my bit, but it's the bit that everybody does. Like, hi, John, it's Barry Katz. I got a gig for you in Burlington, Vermont. It's four hours away. The traffic's pretty bad leaving town. There's an ice storm that's predicted. It's only for 80 bucks. You got to pick up Mark Rossi. As you know, he's really big these days, so it might be something you want to leave some extra time and get some extra gas. And there's construction on I-84, so you better be careful about that. It's going to take a while. There's no place to stay. Or actually, there is a place to stay, but it's the owner's son. And uh, he steals, so you're not going to want to really stay there anyway. Uh, it le- it's, you got to decide now because I got somebody else who wants it again. It's eighty bucks. Do you want it? <sighs> yeah, yeah, Barry, I'll take it. Forget it. It's canceled. <laughs> okay, as promised, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who purchased the documentary "I Killed JFK." It's an amazing story about the only man in history who has admitted to killing JFK. It's an incredible documentary, and you can get it at the website IKillJFK.com. You can see the trailer, and it's truly incredible. And so I'm going to scroll through now randomly the people who purchased the documentary this week, and one of these people will be a lucky winner, and they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Okay, let's do it. All right, landing on Leslie Chodos from Ozone Park, New York. Congratulations, Leslie. You are a winner. Also, I figure... I might as well give away the same thing to somebody who sent me a message, a review on the iTunes comment review section as well. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Damien Rosas, a five-star review on December 14, 2015, titled Truly Inspiring. 10 exclamation points. God, thank you so much. The review reads, I very much appreciated the podcast. Very helpful. Thank you, Damien Rosas. Congratulations. And you are a winner. 
This has been Barry Katz with Industry Standard. And as always, if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they have all to gain. It's never quite over, so it all feels the same. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.